Before we get started with today's podcast, I want to take this opportunity to ask you when the last time it was that you changed out the air filter in your home. Now, would you believe that most people don't change out their air filters monthly or even know that they have to change them out monthly or until they realize that something is actually wrong with their HVAC system? That's why I want to introduce to you Second Nature Air Filters. Now, what's so special about them? Not only are they effective at capturing the dust, pollens, the molds, uh, you know, the, the bacteria, but they also help reduce the energy usage of your HVAC system up to 15% and avoid costly repairs whenever it matters the most. But let's be real. The real reason you're not changing your air filters, duh. It's because you forget half the time. You're like how I used to be. That's why I went with Second Nature Air Filters. Second Nature has created a subscription plan to send your home's air filters each month right to your door, which forces you to change out your old air filters before the new one arrives, keeping your air clean and your HVAC system in working condition. I've certainly noticed that regular replacement of my home's air filters has reduced the amount of dust flying around in my place, but has also reduced how much I've been sneezing in my place. Before, I was changing out my air filter every three months and I was sneezing constantly. Now that I change out my filter monthly, I hardly ever sneeze. This is all thanks to Second Nature's filter subscription plan, and it's the one delivery that I actually look forward to every month. Get started with Second Nature Air Filters today with my referral link at thepodcasttherapist.com slash second nature. Mixdown Media Productions. Today, I want to talk to you about implementing this single most important strategy. At least I think it's important because it's going to help you grow your subscriber base and your community. When you're one unbalanced piece of audio from losing your this is the podcast therapist. Welcome once again to another episode of The Podcast Therapist. I am your host, The Shan Man, Shannon Hernandez. I'm a radio broadcaster, podcaster, and a podcast producer. And today we've got a very interesting episode to share with you. We're going to be talking about and revealing some strategies. It's going to be really just one strategy that will help you grow your subscriber base and grow your podcasting community. And we really need to start laying down this foundation whether you have started your podcast or you are someone getting ready to launch a podcast, this is one of the foundations. Actually, it's probably the single most important foundation that I think you should have in your podcasting marketing mix. So we're going to reveal that here very shortly. Also, a little later in the program, I want to go over some numbers of the state of podcasting as they relate to some research done by Edison Research. I attended a webinar of theirs uh, last week as of this recording, and I wanted to share some of their findings and show uh, share how I had interpreted some of their findings. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. And of course, we're going to be helping some people with some of their questions as it relates to their podcast. Just know that uh, anyone who comes across my YouTube channel or this particular podcast, they are not necessarily creating a podcast to create some form of, I guess, side hustle or second job. Sometimes they're creating a podcast because they want to just share the knowledge. So there is a question, a couple of questions actually that were asked on my YouTube channel and in voicemail that um, that I want to address. So we'll, if we have some time, we'll try to address all of them. If not, we'll try and save it for the next episode. So we'll get to those here very shortly. But what I want to focus on today specifically is the preparation process when it comes down to developing, I guess, or seeding particular pieces of information into your podcast to help grow the subscriber base, grow your community. 
One of the things that I see in podcasting forums on Facebook, on YouTube, in the comments section, is that podcasters really struggle with the idea of getting more listeners, more subscribers. And it's a pretty valid thing for a podcaster to be frustrated with the fact that their podcast isn't growing. So hopefully what I share with you today is going to really change the game for you, but just know that what I'm sharing with you is just another piece of the puzzle when it comes down to the marketing and the promotion of your program, all right? So what we're gonna be talking about today specifically is email marketing. And I know that email marketing isn't as sexy as social media marketing, it isn't as sexy as uh, YouTube marketing, uh, you know, podcast marketing, whatever it may be, but email marketing is going to be the thing that will keep you connected with your growing community of listeners. That's where I really want you to start taking this. And that's where I really want you to start utilizing the platforms that will help you create a community. So this is what's going to be important for you as the podcaster. Now, as we jump into today's topic, I understand that people might be at different stages of the podcasting process. I understand that you may have already launched. I understand that maybe you are all getting ready to launch. And when I share with you this information in this particular podcast, don't think that it's gotta be implemented in the past or yesterday. In fact, you can start implementing it today. And as you implement it today, then I want you to learn and grow from it and make it better. So email marketing has a specific philosophy that goes behind it. And if you follow certain philosophies, you can get really great results. I really want you to start understanding and realizing that email marketing needs to be a part of your podcasting mix. It's a part of different brands all over the world to help, number one, drive sales or awareness to a product or a promotion that they want to get out into the world or into the marketplace. And most podcasters do not utilize email marketing. They, they really rely on social media marketing, such as Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, wherever they're, you know, maybe even now TikTok these days. And while those are all great and grand, they may not be the exact thing that you need to really customize a message to get someone to take an action to either A, listen to your podcast, B, subscribe to the podcast, or maybe C, purchase something that maybe you are offering within your podcast. So I want to talk to you about that and let's break it down the best way that we can and kind of give you an idea and walk through my brain of how I see this stuff. Just understand that maybe you already are versed in this type of uh, I guess, strategy when it comes down to email marketing, and there are multiple strategies. Some are better than others. So take what I have to say and implement it and maybe even uh, modify it if you need. One of the cool things about podcasting or pretty much anything that you have to deal with, uh, I don't know, just anything really, you can modify it and make it better. You can modify the process of email marketing to pair well with the promotion of your podcast. So that's where I wanna take you. Podcasting just isn't, let me record, let me press record, uh, let me edit, and then push it to a, um, a, a syndication platform. It's not that simple. We have to promote, and one of the ways we promote are by implementing strategies inside, directly inside the audio itself. 
so that you can get that return on the subscriber and the community itself, okay? So with that, let's go ahead and uh, jump into that here very shortly. Before we get started, I wanna remind you that today's podcast was created by a rocket book, a reusable notebook. You use friction pens to create notes within these uh, notebooks. Now, this is one of the favorite things that I like to talk about because this is where I get to get all of my ideas out onto a certain type of paper on this reusable notebook and create these podcasts. And when I'm done, I take a picture of the notebook using the Rocketbook app and I can save those notes. And once I save those notes, I can refer back to them or use them for my my show notes in the podcast itself. So Rocketbooks are really versatile and useful by helping you get ideas down and save them for later while saving the environment. If you wanna learn more about how you can get a Rocketbook, go to thepodcasttherapist.com slash Rocketbook. So let's go ahead and get started and let's talk about first the launch, all right? Now, I understand, again, like I said, I understand that you may have already launched or you're getting ready to launch. This is still going to apply to both of those people who are going to create a podcast, all right? So first step is going to be, number one, just know that no launch is created equal or most launches aren't created equal, all right? Some of the launches have different objectives. So each podcaster may have a different objective of where they want to see their podcast go or where they want to see their launch go. So each objective will vary and differ. How? Well, you're going to have one side of the camp where it's going to be these podcasters. These podcasters will be people who want to make a big splash into the marketplace. They want everyone to know that they just launched a podcast. They're trying to get on the top charts of Apple Podcasts. They want their picture on the front page of Apple Podcasts. They want to be shown on the front page of CastBox. They want they want all of the attention. Now, with those types of podcasters, and I can tell you, it's not my way of doing things. I don't like a big splash when it comes down to marketing, but when it comes to those particular podcasters, they're trying to reach a specific metric. And what comes with those particular types of launches is a little bit more pressure. The pressure to reach certain metrics and to get a certain amount of people to listen. And to me, it's a lot of pressure. If you don't already have an email marketing list planned or, or built, So this is where I think it's very important for you to understand that pressure launches aren't always necessary. You don't always have to do a pressure launch where it's a big splash. On the other other side of that coin, you're going to have podcasters like me who are doing more softer launches because they realize the benefit and the value of growth over time. If you have followed my YouTube channel, You've seen that it's been just nothing but, I'd say, pretty consistent videos. I take breaks here and there so that I can find my own sanity. But you know that there is going to be a video that comes out every single week on a particular topic in podcasting that is meant to help the podcaster. When I started my YouTube channel, and this applies directly to a podcast, when I first started my YouTube channel, I just started I didn't have any launch strategy or plan ready to go. I just said to myself, you know what? In order for me to get moving into the direction that I need to get moving in, I need to just start creating 
valuable content to the platform so people can consume it over time. And those results show up in my analytics. They show up on how many people come in and ask questions about whether or not I can help them or how I can help them, what my rates are for consultation fees, how I might be able to meet up with them. Well, not right now because we're in the middle of a pandemic, but in normal times, that that's what would be happening. So you'll have people who want to make a big splash and then you'll have people who want to do soft launches. It all depends on the objective and you have to determine what your objective is. So once we know and understand that foundation, we can move on to the next section. Number two, methodologies on your launch will differ from person to person. So the methodology of your launch is going to differ from person to person. What do I mean by this? Well, when we think about this, we must have a goal when we, we launch our podcast. What's the real reason? What's, why do you want to launch this podcast? And what is the goal of the podcast? In so many words, let's just say it this way, okay? Your launch, you might launch with the end game in mind. And the launch end game might be more long-term for you. So like for me, for instance, my goal is to help podcasters. And of course, I want people to go in and Find the materials that I am offering to them on my website to purchase them because I know they will help someone out. I know that my 20 plus years in radio that has been put into training guides and videos will help them out. That's my end goal. Do I always reach that end goal? No, I don't always reach the end goal because sometimes those people want strict access to me only. They're willing to reach out to me and look for that help. So it might be a little bit different, but as long as you have that goal in mind, that long-term goal, you'll know exactly why you're doing your podcast. Some examples of the different types of end games that you might have for your podcast, depending on whatever niche that you're in. You might have an end game where you're trying to drive leads to get more consultations. Maybe this is the end game right here, but maybe what ends up happening is that instead of getting consultations, people will want to buy your product, but at least you have the end game in mind. Another end game might be to get more website clips, uh, sorry, to get more website visits, to get more clicks on a particular page on your website. Maybe that is the sole purpose of your podcast. Maybe the purpose or the end game is going to be to build a community. Maybe you want to just build a social following. Maybe that's your end game. Or maybe what you're trying to do is just push people to a product like what I'm doing. And one of the last things that I think that you might be doing is what your end game may be is that you may provide so much value with your podcast where you think to yourself, I would pay so much money to show up at an event and meet this person. So the last one would be, maybe your end game is to drive people to an event. So these are different methodologies on launching and how they differ from person to person. They may happen individually or maybe they are a part of a larger marketing calendar. 
What else can you think of that could fit inside of this list? The next step would be is that your end game goal is to make your content valuable and intentional. So when we go out and we start building out this content for our podcast, the value of the content can come in the form of education or in entertainment. So you can do education or entertainment. Those have two equal pieces of value that you can share with your audience. As an example, a way of edutaining someone would be maybe a true crime podcast where you are examining a case, yet you are maybe poking fun of the criminals within the case itself and entertaining the audience at the same time. This actually exists. This is a podcast that exists. My friends, um, James and Jimmy from the Crime and Sports Podcast and Small Town Murder Podcast, they do this, this exact thing. And their audience finds so much value, not only in their humor, but the amount of work that goes into examining these cases every single week. So your end game goal is to make content that is valuable and intentional. I don't think those guys really understand understood that they were doing it intentionally, but I think now they realize that the better their content is, the more intentional it is where they can sell more tickets to their live podcast recordings. Maybe it's, I don't know, their t-shirts. They'll, they'll have to speak for themselves. I'll try to get James or Jimmy on this program uh, so they can explain their methodology behind their content and why it's so valuable. So what I'm trying to say to you, I'm going to speak to you, the beginning podcaster who's getting ready to launch. And I want to speak to the podcaster who has already launched but hasn't implemented strategies. I want to say to you that it's best to position yourself early to start building listening habits. You'll want to build systematic programming within the podcast. What do I mean by systematic programming? This is a radio concept that has been around for ages. And basically what it is is that um, you likely have heard the radio station if you ever, if you live in a large city or maybe you have traveled to a large city and you listen at a specific time and um, maybe you're listening to a news talk radio station and that news talk radio station does something at five o'clock every single day because they know that is the peak time in which people are getting off of work. And that is when their best content comes out. And there's a behavior that comes with listening because if the content is great, people will listen. And more people who listen will give you the opportunity to sell whatever it is that you want to sell. It doesn't have to be in monetary terms. It could be to sell or promote someone else. It could be something like that. Now, how does this apply to podcasting? Systematic programming can happen just about anywhere within your podcast. This is what we in the radio industry for many years have called a programming clock. And I've talked about programming clocks uh, in my uh, my digital course, Systems for Podcast Monetization, we talk about clocks. And basically what a clock does is that it parses out the entire hour itself into what is content, what is promotion, and what is sales. And that's how it's parsed out. So if you've ever wondered why radio stations have ever ran 
commercials, they run it by an hourly clock. There's hourly clocks and then there's linear clocks. Linear clocks just means that um, nothing are things don't change throughout the entire course of programming other than the fact that commercials are played at the same time. We don't really use linear clocks anymore. We use hourly clocks these days to stay on time. And that's what I recommend podcasters do. They start implementing these hourly clocks. Determine how much time you're going to create content and how much time you're going to create for sponsorships. That's just one way that you can do this. Do you have to implement this? Not necessarily. Not all the time will you have to implement this. Number three, let's talk about pre-production implementation. Now, before you hit record, before you go and hit record, before you do anything, maybe you've already started your podcast, you've hit record, but this is what I would recommend that you do. Before you hit record, I want you to start learning a new platform that deals with email marketing. Because this email marketing piece is going to fit directly into the audio programming of your podcast. So here's the warning shot that I am going to give to you. I don't know if this is tough love. I don't know if this is just me being, I don't know, too blunt with you. But if you are a podcaster who is trying to take your podcast to the next level and you want to be serious about it and you know that there is going to be a grind that comes with this, it's going to be your responsibility to learn each platform when it comes down to maybe email marketing, graphic design, maybe it's audio editing, but it's going to be your responsibility to learn each platform and their systems the best that you can to get the results that you want. Let me say that again. It is the podcaster's responsibility to learn each platform and system the best they can to get the results they want. Some platforms are more difficult than others, while some platforms may be super simple, but they don't provide enough for you. So it's gonna be your responsibility to learn these platforms. Does it mean you're gonna be stuck in those platforms all the time? No, not necessarily. But if you're a big DIYer like I am and just getting started, you're going to want to know these platforms because later on down the line, when you want to start growing and farming that type of workout, you want to know what's involved in that particular application or program so that you can give better direction to the person who's going to be helping you. Learn to become dominant on a platform like, say, MailChimp. Learn to be dominant. Arm yourself with the skills by reading the help section directly on MailChimp's website. They, I don't know if you knew this, but if you go on pretty much any website that is out there that is a software as a service, they likely have a FAQ section on their website where you can learn just about anything to help your experience become more seamless inside of those applications to see more success. Most people just don't do this. Me, I'm one of those people that likes to go in and read the help guide. 
Now, you can pay someone to do this. Maybe you just don't, maybe you're like, oh, I've run a social media agency. I've got a podcast and, uh, you know, I have the money to just have, pay someone to do this. Fine. Do that. But for the rest of you podcasters out there who are just doing this on a bootstrap budget, learn how to do this stuff. Don't settle for less. Learn how the platform works. Let me give you a quick example of what this looks like. So many years ago, uh, working at the radio station, I was working on the weekends. And in the radio industry, we have these phone call programs where you can record phone calls uh, directly from the phone into, you know, like like you're recording it directly into an Audacity or an Adobe Audition. But the difference between using a phone or recording a phone call in Audition was that the software inside Audition didn't allow for certain editing functions that would happen more on the fly. So, for instance, I could take a phone call in this other program. This program would be called Vox Pro. I could take a phone call in Vox Pro. And once I've taken that phone call in Vox Pro, I can stop everything within Vox Pro and make faster edits and scrub a lot faster. Scrubbing meaning fast forward and or reversing. Scrub between the audio much faster than I could inside of, say, an Adobe Audition. Plus, the engineers had set it up to where you could be using the actual hardware itself, like a scrub wheel, with the software itself. Well, what ended up happening was that we got this software, Vox Pro. And all of the talent, the air talent on the radio, they didn't like it. They liked using Adobe Audition. Back then, it was called Cool Edit Pro before Adobe purchased Cool Edit Pro. And all the radio personalities were like, no, we're just going to use Adobe Audition. No, we're not going to do this. And the key thing that was most important for me using Vox Pro was that when I was going to air a phone call onto the airwaves, that I could actually fire the button from the board while having my fader moved up onto the mixing board and fire everything from the board so I didn't have to reach way over onto the other side of the room to fire the piece of audio to have it run over the airwaves. For me, that was way cool. That was very useful and valuable to me. And when the engineer had told me that he was a little disappointed that people weren't using this software, I took it upon myself, literally, to go into the help section of Vox Pro, read up on Vox Pro, learn the basics, and then go from there. And from there, I learned my own style of how I could record phone calls and make them even better, create bits around the actual software itself. Maybe one of these days I'll share a couple of those bits. I'll have to give you some some uh, some background on those, but. Uh, I once did an automated voice messaging system using Vox Pro and people thought they were out of their, like my, everyone was just like, whoa, how did you do that? That's the point where I want you to be. I want you to get to the point to where people go, wow, how did you do that with email marketing? So that's going to be very important for you. Next, I want you to build this platform using MailChimp. I mean, you could use AWeber. I want you to use whatever's comfortable for you. You can use AWeber. You can use MailChimp. There is uh, Constant Contact. There's a number of email marketing service providers that are out there. That's what you're going to be looking for, email marketing service providers, all right? But these email marketing service providers are 
the communication tool away from the platforms that you don't own. So what do I mean by that? Well, likely you're on Facebook, likely you have an Instagram account, maybe you have a Twitter account, a TikTok account, uh, what other social platforms are out there? Maybe you have a Pinterest account, I don't know. But with every one of those platforms, you don't own anything that is on there. I'm sure you've heard this in the past. If you have not heard this, then let me remind you and let me refresh your memory. If you have an account on Facebook, if you have a page on Facebook, that is just the tool, but you do not own the data that comes with being on that platform. In fact, quite the contrary. You don't own the data on those platforms. You are the data on those platforms. How Facebook makes money is based on you actually using the free product. And how they make money is through the advertisers reaching you. So it's very important that you understand and know where your data is going and how you are collecting your own data. When you build an email marketing platform for yourself, for your podcast, this is going to be used as a marketing tactic in tandem with social media to drive traffic to an email list so that you can start building a community. Now, in tandem, you build something that someone can download for free. We're moving into the next area here. You've likely have done this in the past before. I know I get it all the time, but depending on the product or service that you have been marketed to on Facebook, you likely have been marketed to by someone whose email, whose, uh, email marketing platform now has your email address because you gave permission to download something from them or maybe you were checking something out on a Shopify store. Um, you know, like just recently, we're recording this just a few days before Christmas, I purchased these magnets for my niece and it was done through a Shopify store and as if, you, if you're familiar with Shopify, you go through this entire checkout process and you end up giving out your email address and your phone number and then if you don't actually check out, boom, here comes an email saying, hey, I noticed that you didn't check out. That's part of the email marketing process. And you can really expand and go further down the line with email marketing. Now, whether you think it's annoying or not, great, that's fine. It may not be a part of your philosophy, but I'm telling you right now, most people who are smart about this, and I'm not saying I'm smart, but I'm saying most people who are going to be smart about it are utilizing collecting data on their platform so that they can market to those people to drive traffic or to get more subscribers. This is what all of the marketing gurus tell you all about. I've been to enough of these conferences to know that what the, exactly what they're gonna say. Nothing has changed over the past 10 years of how you collect data on someone, whether you're creating a podcast, a YouTube channel, a Facebook, uh, Facebook Live, does not matter. If you have not implemented something to give away for free on your website that is done through an email marketing system, you're missing people from coming in and being a part of your community. So let's jump into what we need to build or how we need to build it. Now, if you're in the business space, you're probably likely going to need to offer a PDF of some sort. PDFs seem to work better than uh, say a video download or an audio download those tend to work a little bit better. But let's say you're in the music industry um, and your audience is people who like to consume music, then maybe an audio download is a lot better. 
All right. So you just kind of have to figure out like what is going to work for you. What's the best way it's going to work for you to build this email list. So how it works basically is that you create a free something, right? This could be the PDF download. If you're in the business niche, maybe you are in the music niche. It's maybe it's a free song that you've never released. All right. And how you create this is basically by creating a campaign inside of MailChimp. Now you can create campaigns in Active Campaign, Constant Contact, Aweber, whatever it may be. Each platform is going to have their specific way of how they do things. All right. But ultimately, at the end of the day, you want to create number one, a form. And that form is going to be collected into one general list. All right. Now, this is going to vary on how emails are collected, but generally speaking, you're going to have a form that's going to collect emails, right? Once you have a form that's going to collect emails, then what you need to do is the next step. You need to create an email within the email service provider that welcomes someone. So what happens is that someone enters their email address in your form. That form is going to trigger an event to send out your very first email that is going to give someone what you promised them, whether that be the PDF, whether that is a link to a specific page on a, I don't know, let's, I don't know if this works, but on a Spotify page, or maybe it's just a direct download itself. You know, you have something saved up on Amazon Web Services. I don't know. But maybe that's what it is. But now you've reached someone who is now interested. Someone is warm. It's a warm audience. Someone who is warm to the idea of wanting to know you better. You are now on this process of building a deeper relationship with this person. All right. Now, let's say, for instance, if you're in the business space, what do these PDFs look like? Well, maybe PDFs provide answers. They provide the first steps of a journey. So as an example, I like to look at it this way. When uh, someone comes to my website and they want to learn more about starting a podcast, I start with a very basic thing. I start with, hey, what equipment do you need? You know, and here, here's a list of my equipment. This is what I use to create my podcast. So maybe it's a list of equipment, maybe it's a list of tools, put them in a PDF and use that as your download, okay? Now, this is where we now need to start thinking ahead for our podcast. What can you provide that is of value and how can you seed these links in your podcast for someone to take action? So what ends up happening, let's say that, okay, someone enters the name into that form, they you give them in return this bribe, which would be a free PDF or maybe it's a free song or whatever it may be for free, free bumper sticker maybe, I don't know. Then what ends up happening after that? How do we deepen the relationship? Well, maybe we need to add another email that shares more value. Maybe it has a link to a specific product. I'm not saying that you have to do that immediately, but... Maybe it is to a specific product. Or maybe it's a link to build a community. Maybe it's a direct link to a podcast, or sorry, maybe it's a direct link to a Facebook group. I, In fact, when I enrolled in uh, Buzzsprout's hosting services, I got an email saying, hey, join our community. That might be another way that we do this. 
but your guide should be promoting something that goes back to your website. So don't be afraid to put links within your guide that go back to your website. Drive traffic, drive awareness. That's how you grow this thing. So what I want you to do is I want to encourage you to go find someone online and I encourage you to download their freebie, whatever it may be. It could be a PDF. It could be, uh, I don't know. Uh, you could actually enroll in a webinar. Maybe someone is giving away free bumper stickers. I don't know. It just all depends. But I encourage you to go download some of these. You know, Put it onto a different email uh, address, one that you, I guess, you are using for spam email. These are not spam emails. Let me just make that very clear here. What you are creating are marketing emails, not spam emails. Spam emails Spam emails are when someone takes your email address without your permission and uses it to market to you. The method that you're going to be using is that you're offering it to your listeners, having them go to your website, entering in their email address, confirming that they want to receive email addresses, and then you send something to them. That gives the permission to start marketing back to them. So I encourage you to go watch some of the best ones do it. Make sure that they are verifying your email address and verifying that you want to receive their information. Your goal is to get someone on your list, okay? Now, let's say your podcast revolves more around the entertainment side. Like I said, there could be something that has to deal with songs and you're giving a free song or uh, song out or maybe uh, maybe you're giving away, I don't know, it could be an entertainment podcast that is more comedy-based, all right? So if your podcast revolves around this entertainment niche, maybe you are considering pushing people to grab, I don't know, say a free physical product. This is possible. Maybe it's a free bumper sticker. Maybe it's a free coaster. I don't know. The issue that I have with this, though, is that when you're involving actual physical products, you have to consider these things. Issue number one is going to be that there are costs going to be associated with the production of the product. So when it comes down to the design of the product, maybe you have to pay a graphic designer, that's a cost. Then you have to send it to someone to make, that's another cost. Then you have to consider the cost in postage supplies and so on and so forth. But we have to remember and think about this, that people respond to the free idea. These, they respond to free. And your item has to have some type of value behind it in order for someone to want it. So your free item must have lots of value. Let me see if I can paint this another, sec, another way. Most likely you have been to Costco. And when you go to, well, in normal times, <laughs> so in normal times, when you go to Costco, there are all the people on a Saturday afternoon that are at the sample tables and they're giving samples of the pigs in the blanket or the, or the pizza rolls. And you take a pizza roll. Let's say you take a pizza roll and then you go on your merry way of shopping and then you go, ah, that pizza roll is pretty good. You go back and get another sample. Like, oh, that was pretty good. There's going to be one of two decisions that you're going to make. The decision is going to be that you're going to not only take that free thing, but that free thing is going to be so good that you just want to go buy the box. You're going to put the box in your basket and you're going to buy it so that you can go have your own pizza rolls at home. 
Just remember, these are samples that you're being given. That's how I want you to look at your free guide. You're giving the best thing out, not everything, but you're giving some of your best stuff out to get these people on your email list and you wanna promote it within your podcast. So the next question will be, how many freebies should you have? Well, the more the merrier. If you feel that you can serve an audience in multiple ways, create, you know, I don't know, say create five, create 10 freebies and promote them at different points in time in your podcast, not in all, not all at once in the same episode, but let's say you have created a schedule around when you're going to mention specific freebies. So let's say this month you're going to be promoting, uh, you know, a juice cleanse this month and then next month you're going to be promoting, I don't know, uh, an exercise routine. Let's, but that would be saying for like we're, we're in the fitness and, and, and nutrition niche, okay? So think about how you want to promote those. Put them on a schedule. Now, where are we going to put all of these freebies within our podcast itself? Like I said, we just can't throw them all into one episode because then it would just be one big ad. Let's be strategic about this thing, all right? So where are we going to put them? Well, we need to create maybe a marketing calendar of when we're going to promote that particular freebie over the course of, say, four months, then move on to the next freebie and promote that freebie over the course of the next two months. Then following that freebie, maybe you got another one that's going another four months. I mean, it's just going to depend on you. All right, but when or where are we going to implement these freebies into the podcast? Now, this is all going to depend on the philosophy of structure. Now, what is the philosophy of structure? Well, you know that most things have a beginning, middle, and end. And within these basic sequences, would I guess it would exist a subheading. And you heard me do it already in this particular podcast itself. You've heard it in multiple podcasts out there. You might just know them as pre-rolls or mid-rolls. But there's a way to be a little bit more strategic about these, all right? So these might be little subheadings or we'll just call them pre-roll, mid-roll, whatever you want to call it, all right? So let's just look at it this way, okay? So a subheading in audio might also be known as a liner hit. This is a term that comes from the radio industry. It's where you're given a sheet of paper and then you have to hit specific points on that piece of paper in to the microphone to get someone to go take an action. So as an example from the radio station, I could hit up listening to the app and I would say like, don't forget to check out the 98KUPD app. You can earn rewards directly onto the 98KUPD app that might get you a chance to go get some food over at one of our local restaurants or maybe maybe even get some concert tickets for upcoming concerts. You got to listen for a certain amount of time on the app and make sure you download the particular, you know, the 98KUPD app today to start earning your rewards today. That might be a liner hit, okay? For you, it might be something different. What I would recommend that you do is you write them down, put them in a document, print them out, and put them in a notebook. You could do this for just about any freebie. Give the benefits of what that freebie is all about. So create that liner. And these could be promoted in pre-rolls in the program itself. They, they should be brief, though. Brief, and they should be used as a means to help your core audience, your lead magnet. That's what your lead magnet is, all right? So use the liner, create the liner of what your lead magnet is all about, and then share it, okay? So this is how a program might look, okay? 
You might do an intro of your podcast which has some music or whatever, and then of course you have spoken intro, like what you hear on this particular podcast. So you heard me in the beginning and you say like, welcome to the podcast therapist, my name is Shannon Hernandez, blah, 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 blah. And I talk about what is going to be coming up in the podcast episode. You're informed of the breakdown of what it looks like. It's like a table of contents. Create that table of contents for your listeners so they know what to expect. Then, once you have done that, then you can create and promote your freebie. So you might have heard me in previous episodes where I've ta- I've done this in the past, where I've created different segments. I've promoted Rocketbook. I've promoted my podcast launch checklist. I've promoted Mudwater. You can do this for yourself. All right. But this signals the listener to check the show notes of the podcast app when you tell them that they need to take an action within the actual piece of audio. You say, if you want to learn more, go to the podcasttherapist.com slash podcast or check the link in the uh, show notes of today's episode and that will take you right there so you can learn more about the podcast launch checklist, whatever it may be, mud water, whatever it is that you're promoting. So how long does a liner need to be? Well, a liner or liner copy it can be anywhere between 15 to 20 seconds. I mean, there's really, there really aren't any rules to this, but if you're a podcast listener, you know, the average podcast listener, maybe they're fast forwarding through it, but you have to start getting into this mindset and thinking, okay, well not, maybe not everyone will want to hear that ad, but there might be that one person who wants your business services. There might be that one person who wants to get more laughs. There might be that one person who needs new music to listen to. There might be that one person who wants more recipes. There might be that one person who wants more editing tips for video. I realize that not everyone will like to hear liner hits in a podcast, but the research does show that podcast, or I'm sorry, that listeners don't mind having ads within a podcast. We're going to get into that here very shortly with this research from Edison Research, but that is the breakdown of my thought process of why you need to have this email marketing system game into your marketing mix. I want to encourage you to go in to MailChimp or Constant Contact, AWeber, wherever it is that you decide that you want to go and learn the email marketing platform, so that you can put those pieces inside your podcast to help grow the podcast, to help grow the audience. Your metric may not be, well, let me take that back. Your metric may be, oh, I want to get a a really large audience on Facebook. That probably is not the metric you need to be looking for. The metric that you're looking for are results. Maybe the result is that you want to get 20 new subscribers to purchase an affiliate link that you mention on your podcast so that you can keep your po- your podcast hosting paid for over the course of the year. That might be a metric that maybe you're more interested in versus the social media following. We would only be using the social media to promote maybe the content of what we're trying to create, right? And likely these days, we all realize that when we promote anything in, in Facebook, 
Facebook is just asking you to feed the machine and feed the machine, but you have to get out there and you have to promote and you have to be on other people's podcasts and you have to build value. Well, the value that I'm telling you that you need to create are in these free PDFs, are in these things that have value, music that is unreleased. It is recipes that you have never shared before. It is video editing tactics that no one has ever seen before. These are things that need to be a part of your email freebie. So learn those platforms. Know how they operate within your WordPress website. Learn how you can implement them on other platforms, whether it be you know, Squarespace, Square, Kajabi, whatever it may be. There's no harm in learning more skills. If you ask me, it just makes you more dangerous. So I wanna encourage you, after today's podcast, to really dive in, learn those platforms, and start taking on other philosophies of how you can get people to come in on that email list. And the important thing is when you get them on that email list is to communicate with them every week as much as you can. I realize it gets tough, but that's what's gonna keep them around. So I will be answering your questions if you have them about email marketing. I encourage you to check out the podcasttherapist.com slash podcast. Go to the contact me section. If you have something you want to ask me and leave it in a voicemail or if you just want to email me, you're more than welcome to do that. I will be happy to answer it in a future podcast episode. I want to encourage you to go on over there and I look forward to hearing what you have to say and maybe what questions you might have and how I can help you with your podcast. We got the mix down coming up next with some numbers from Edison Research. Stick around. The Podcast Therapist. To a lot of you, coffee is the nectar of the morning wake up gods, right? I totally love that feeling just like you of being awake, especially as I get older, adulting tends to get a little bit harder. It wasn't until I made a visit to the doctor a few years back and I was diagnosed with hypothyroidism and I had to give up all of the caffeine in my life, including coffee. You see, even though caffeine can wake you up and make you feel alive for some part of the morning, it also has side effects like the jitters, anxiety, and you'll get terrible sleep, all of the things that I was experiencing. That's when I discovered mud water. Mud water is a coffee replacement with one-seventh the caffeine of coffee that actually gives me energy, focus, and immunity without jitters, crashes, or a downside. So what's in it? Mudwater is a mixture of herbs, spices, and magic mushrooms that dial in on your immunity, boost your clarity, creativity, and your mood. I can't tell you how much of a difference it has made in my life in the last few months. So lose the jitters and find more focus with Mudwater. Get your Mudwater starter kit today at thepodcasttherapist.com slash mudwater. That's thepodcasttherapist.com slash M-U-D-W-T-R to learn more and get your first can and frother today. It's time for the mix down. The Podcast Therapist. All right, let's jump right into the mix down today. And we're going to be diving deeper into these numbers that were given by Edison Research last week in a webinar that I had attended. So these webinars are free for anyone to visit, I mean, or to, to attend whenever they do have them. They have them, I believe, at least once a month. Um, you can always go check out Edison Research or Triton Digital to see about attending one of these uh 
the, these webinars, but uh, I'll attend them for you so that you can get a better understanding of where the podcasting industry is right now. Now, I think it's very important for you as the podcaster to understand and know that uh, you are in an industry where people will be consuming media and you should know what direction the industry is heading in and know what those trends are. So if you've ever heard me say something that is very, uh, I guess it might have a little bit of dissonance, I don't know, create some form of dissonance within yourself. It's probably because I got the assumption or I got maybe some of the findings from Edison Research. I also have gotten them from the Jacobs Media uh, research surveys as well. So these are things that I look into. So I don't say these things without knowing what what the intention is behind them. So if there's something that might have bothered you that I have said in the past, it's probably because there's research that is behind it, all right? So let's go ahead and jump into some of these numbers and statistics. This is all based off of a top 10 list that they had for 2020. These were research findings that they had found that were significant especially in this very unique year of 2020. And uh, I thought it would be interesting to share some of these pieces with you. So as we jump into the podcasting industry and we started to see the pandemic unfold in the beginning part of the year, people were consuming content, I think I think it was a little bit earlier. And according to Edison Research, after the pandemic had started, people started consuming content by 8.30 a.m. So what does this mean for you as a podcaster? It means that your content probably should be published, if you're publishing on a certain day, it should be published early in the morning. So not exactly at 8.30 in the morning because what we know from publishing platforms and from uh, RSS feeds is that not all of the time does the RSS feed update immediately. So it's best to have a podcast ready to go you know, and publish sometime after midnight. So I would say anywhere between the hours of midnight and 3 a.m. is a good time to publish an episode because that way the feed can update on all the platforms and then that podcast can be waiting for people whenever they do tune in. But that number or that time is very significant, 8.30 a.m., which I don't know if that means anything. I don't know if it means that People, you know, obviously were not commuting as much, but I thought it was interesting that people were starting at 8.30 a.m. Now, a couple of other things that they mentioned in that survey was um, they said, how has podcasting grown in 2020? And I guess this was from Infinite Dial. Uh, some of the numbers that I had written down was that 100 million podcast listeners, there was 100 million podcast listeners per month, but, but podcasting is yet to bill a billion dollars in 2020. So what does that mean? It means that radio and TV are billing way more than podcasting. And so we're still trying to figure out how to bill more uh, sponsorships to podcasts in a very unique platform, in, in a, I guess, a relatively new plat platform because podcasting has only been around for, what, 15 years or so? And radio and TV have been around a lot longer than that. So it's very important to understand how much advertising dollars are playing into podcasting. So podcasting is yet to bill a billion dollars, but it's still billing uh, quite a bit. Uh, podcasting has twice as many people listen to uh, uh, listen to it than people use Twitter, which I thought was really interesting. So twice as many people listen to a podcast than actually use Twitter, which was very unique. This all came from a super listener survey. And in that survey, they said that 
uh, people don't mind advertising in their podcasts. So you likely as a smaller podcast, you think, well, I don't want to have ads in my podcast and this might be something that is really going against against the grain. But as they did this research, they said that people really don't mind it. And they said, you know, so then they asked the question, well, which is better, uh, post or pre-roll ads? Which which is better for a podcast? And the respondents of this survey said that post is better, but really there is no preference of where the ad is. Most podcast listeners understand the fact that podcasting is a medium in which people are creating this piece of content uh, on their own. And so that if there are ad dollars behind it, they are happily more than happy to support those ad dollars going to that particular podcast. The same could be said for, say, like a Patreon if you decide to do something that is a little more independent, all right? Uh, Let's see, what were the other things that I had noticed? Spoken word audio, kind of like NPR style. Um, That type of listening has increased over the past six years, and believe it or not, women love listening more to these styles of podcast so the NPR style the talk radio style but maybe more with I don't know if it would excuse me relate more to a maybe a true crime style podcast but it's more NPR style people love though to hear uh, personal growth podcasts they love to hear uh, self-help podcasts so that is the area in which a lot of people are really gravitating towards when it comes down to podcasting so maybe your podcast is in that niche you might see uh, a significant increase in uh, listenerships over the course of the next couple of years. Next, let's talk about Gen Z and the audio consumption on all platforms and devices. This means that uh, Gen Z would be the ages between 13 to 24. And when we are talking about uh, how they're consuming, when we're talking about reach, we're talking about how far a medium can reach someone, okay? doesn't mean necessarily they're taking action or there's a conversion uh, on something. It just means that the piece of audio has reached someone. So in this particular cluster of individuals between 13 to 24 Gen Z, uh, the reach for those who are listening to radio is 55%, but 53% also prefer streaming audio, which I thought was really interesting. So Radio still has relevance to a lot of people. It's still part of Gen Z's lives, as well as Gen X and you know the millennials, all those people in those different pockets of uh, generations. Radio still seems to be something that is a part of people's lives. Podcasting is still listened to uh, more at home, though. That is something that I think you need to really take note of. And uh, it's used as an escape. You know, for example, we like to listen to true crime podcasts. I'm not personally a true crime person. Uh, I like to listen to news podcasts. I like to listen to personal growth and development podcasts. But I can see where people would listen to true crime podcasts. So that is something that I thought was interesting that uh, people are still listening to podcasts from home. And, you know, this can be said, I know from my own personal preferences, I'm listening to podcasts. Uh, while I'm cooking, I'm listening to podcasts while I do laundry, while I clean at the house, and anything that is going to enrich my life, that's what I like to listen to. So this, uh, this, these, these research results really kind of reflect what my own personal life is all about. And then, of course, the last piece that I wanted to go over was smart speakers. And this is something that I think is very significant to podcasters because podcasters really need to start understanding that smart speakers are becoming more ubiquitous within the home itself. And so they're starting to become more, you know, 
everywhere within the home. Now we have them in different rooms. Now we have like, say, uh, you know, I have uh, a Google Home and I have all of those devices connected uh, within each room. I have one here in the office. I have one in my bedroom. Actually, I have, I believe it was a Google Nest display in my bedroom with a, you know, it's got a screen display with the time on it. I've got one in the kitchen so that I can watch uh, TV shows if I'm cooking or maybe listen to podcasts, but I also got a Google Home in the living room. And so I've got a Google house. So once we start seeing the, the, ubiquity or the universal use of smart speakers, then we start to see that the accessibility to different programming is going to be easier for people to consume. So smart speakers have increased in for audio consumption. 24% of the people in the US uh, own a smart speaker and a one third use the device to listen to either music or entertainment since uh, the coronavirus has happened, since the pandemic had started. 35% of uh, smart speaker owners stay informed, but still, still, they like to escape. So these are just some of the numbers that I thought were really interesting from that webinar from Edison Research. Uh, Today we're recording on December December 20th. And of course, last week when this all came down, this was something that I thought was really interesting. So I thought these numbers would be of interest to you, the podcaster. So uh, if you need to to go back, listen to some of those numbers, or just want to check out uh, Edison Research, just go do a search for Edison Research. I'll try and leave a link in the show notes of this particular uh, podcast. And of course, you can go there and try to register for one of their webinars as well. So I hope you found this very interesting. Uh, If not interesting, I hope you found it informative as well. Coming up here in a few minutes, I've got unnecessary explanations. We are going to answer some questions from viewers on YouTube, and hopefully they'll answer some of your questions. So we'll be right back. Right now, you might be in the middle of the research phase of launching your podcast. Maybe you've gotten some equipment, signed up for a Zoom account, and have recorded a few podcast episodes. But what steps do you need to take when it comes to a successful podcast launch? Would you believe the biggest mistake podcasters make is the launch sequence? Seriously, just like a space shuttle has a sequence to put astronauts into space, podcasts have sequences to put a podcast in the marketplace successfully. That's why I created the Podcast Launch Checklist. After helping numerous clients build their podcasts, I developed a step-by-step guide to help podcast creators just like you have a clean launch sequence without wasting time. The Podcast Launch Checklist is a 12-step sequence that walks you through the pre-launch, mid-launch, and post-launch process with specific steps and instructions that will save you time. If you're tired of walking around in the dark trying to figure out everything that comes with the podcast launch, you can grab the Podcast Launch Checklist today. Visit thepodcasttherapist.com slash PLC and use the code PODTHERAPIST, all one word, to get 25% off this checklist today. Unnecessary Explanations. Welcome back and let's jump right into Unnecessary Explanations. This is where we go ahead and we take a topic and we dive real deep into it. It turns into some form of an unnecessary explanation. (laughs) However, I want to answer some questions that came to me via YouTube this last week after I published my uh, latest video on putting your podcast in multiple directories by using Buzzsprout. So, excuse me, I almost 
<coughs> excuse me, I got something in my throat, so uh, I promise it's not the coronavirus. I promise you that. I haven't gone anywhere in months. So let's go ahead and answer a question today from Kimberly. Now, I hope I don't butcher your last name, Kimberly, but I'll do the best that I can. But I think you know who you are because I have responded back to your question on YouTube, but I think it's important for the audience to hear this question because not everyone creates a podcast with the same intentions. And I've tried to remind people about this. We don't create podcasts with the same intentions. Some create podcasts because they want to have it as a piece of their marketing mix or their business, while other people create podcasts because they're trying to make it a part of their business. So we all have different reasons why we start our podcast. And Kimberly's reason is very specific, and it doesn't even have to relate to making any money with a business or anything like that. So let's jump right on over to her comment that was found on YouTube. She says, thank you so much for these helpful videos. I just started my first ever podcast. I'm in the process of recording my first episode. Congratulations. I'm doing one based on the Holocaust and African-American slavery. I'm in my master's program to become a historian in European studies. This is my passion. Do you have any tips for me? Do I need to use a certain format? Also, citing sources. Do I cite sources for everything, even if it's in my own words? Thank you, Kimberly. Well, thank you for the questions, Kimberly. There's um, some very interesting questions that you have there, and hopefully I can answer them the best possible way. In fact, I will probably end up following up with one of your other questions that you had in a reply but uh, I'll just do my best for you, okay? So let's first start by congratulating you on continuing with your master's degree to become a historian in European studies. I think that is great. And um, uh, continue to, to push forward. But let's talk about tips for you. And do you need to use a certain format? So I would kind of look at this, um, I guess, in the area in which you're creating the podcast, if it's based on the Holocaust and Amer- African-American slavery, um, I guess I would... T- really start parsing this out in terms of, okay, are there specific sections or can we start with maybe one piece of an area that we can elaborate a little deeper on, all right? So let's look at it from this perspective. Everything has an introduction, a body, and a conclusion. But when we think about this and we think about how we parse out and create content for our podcast, If you look into the podcast apps uh, for listening, you're going to see that some podcasts focus on one topic specifically. So like for this podcast, I focused heavily on email marketing and the reasons why we build out email marketing. And I could talk probably hours on this particular topic. So I want you to figure out when you go to create your content for your podcast, can you go into some of these books And can you look at them and take some ideas from how they create the content, particularly how they create chapters? So you can parse out your podcast as if you were reading a book and parsing out a piece of the overall content into a chapter. This chapter doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be five minutes. It doesn't mean mean it has to be 10 minutes. doesn't even mean it has to be 60 minutes. Maybe it's only a 30-minute podcast where you uncover and reveal something about a particular part of that history that maybe no one knew. That might be a way in which you do that. Now, since you're already doing the research, this should be pretty easy. It seems as though it's kind of revolves around like creating a research paper. So you would parse it out in certain sections. So you could say, 
perhaps you were talking about African American uh, slavery in the 1800s or 1700s and uh, how this related back to, I don't know, and then you fast forward to the Holocaust or whatever. Just depends on how you want to present that content. Maybe there's a specific spin that you want to take on that. But I would parse things out as though you were writing chapters to a book. Now, I don't recommend that you read word for word with the, um, you know, with creating a podcast, you know, like you've scripted it all out. Unless you're creating like an NPR style podcast, then that takes a lot of production, you know, involved. That's a lot of production that is involved. But what I would say is that you just bullet your points out of what you want to talk about. Because if you already know it really well, you should just be using bullet points to point out maybe three to four pieces of information within your podcast. So like with this podcast, I had four pieces of information that I wanted to share when it came down to email marketing. I mean, it turned out to be like over 30 minutes worth of content that I was able to create. So can you do the same? It doesn't have to be 30 minutes of content, but can you do the same? All right. Next, you asked about, do I need to follow a certain format? I would just say follow the same format as though you were, you know, writing a paper with an introduction, a body and a conclusion or an end. That's how I would do that. So if I were to go back into my English teacher days, if I can remember even any of this stuff, but what I would tell people is they say like, okay, look, you're going to create a piece of content. You're going to create something with an introduction. So that introduction introduces now a problem. Now, what, now that we have a problem, what do we need to identify? We have to identify how to fix the problem. What steps are we going to take to fix those problems? All right. So then we start laying into our research and we start breaking down what was involved with that particular problem and how it could be solved. We back it up then with data. All right. So then you start backing it up with more data and then you can start drawing a conclusion to what you have just presented. So it's very similar to how you are creating a research paper or a book or anything like that. That's the format that I would follow, all right? Very similar. I mean, you you might hear it in my podcast. It's always going to start with a problem and then come to a solution at the very end. Maybe that solution is enlightenment. I don't know what it may be, but that's what you would need to do, okay? So then you ask about citing sources for everything, even if it's in your own words, all right? So all you would have to do, I think, in this circumstance is that you would be able to say, like, I've got this, I got this piece of information from the Wall Street Journal. Uh, I will leave a link for that in the show notes of this particular podcast. Now, you did ask, um, and she, and just for the audience to know, she did ask a follow-up question. Uh, she asked about what are the show notes. So whenever you go in to creating a podcast and you're uploading it to a hosting provider, let's say like Buzzsprout, they give you a field in which you can create show notes. And with those show notes, you can put links to uh, outgoing sources to areas in which you want to direct someone on the web. So this can be done via the phone. You know, this can be done on that hosting provider so that people on their phone who are listening can click on that link and then be taken directly to those articles or sources that you are looking for. So I hope that gives you an idea. Now, if you're giving a quote, make sure that you are quoting someone and you're giving the right citation saying, you know, this comes from, you know, the White House aid of, you know, 1927. And he had said, quote, blank, 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 blank. And, uh, you know, quotes are going to be pretty obvious. Make sure you are quoting someone, all right? 
Uh, but as far as citing sources, I would make sure that you cite those sources in links or leave them down below so that people can know where to find them. I mean, not only is it good decorum just for, um, uh, you know, I guess a literary sense of having that that citation there, but people genuinely are interested in possibly going to some of those links. So I hope that answers your question. Thank you so much for leaving that comment on my YouTube channel, Kimberly. Um, you know, again, you can leave me a another comment or a question by going to thepodcasttherapist.com. The next question comes to us from Josh Bolton, and it comes to us via YouTube comment, and it was off of a video that I had done a while back, actually a few years back, uh, about whether or not podcasts can have two different formats. And so... Uh, this is a tricky. This is a tricky question and a tricky answer too. But uh, for the most part, uh, let's jump into the question and then we'll try to answer the best way possible. Uh, I can't tell you that I'm going to give you the best answer, but I'm going to give you kind of a perspective and something to think about. Okay. So Josh asks, or he says, "My only problem is that I don't have a niche I can uh, call my own. The two things I obsess about is martial arts and trading and investing." Both are really boring to listen to. I sometimes have to force myself to listen to the hedge fund managers talk about their plans for the whatever it may be. Are there any tips I are there any tips on what I should look into? I know those topics are odd. Well, thank you for the question, Josh. Um, I'm happy to answer the best way that I can. So typically when it comes down to coming up with a topic for your podcast, you know, or finding a niche that you want to be interested in. Most people are typically finding one niche that they want to be involved in. I knew a guy a few years back who had a self-improvement podcast, and um, it was all about you know overcoming your doubts and whatnot. And he had this podcast. It did okay, but it wasn't until he took on something that he was a little more passionate about. So he was a he was passionate about personal development, but Get this, he was he was more interested in pottery. <laughs> yeah, believe it or not. He was way more interested in talking about pottery. And so he had to start two different podcasts and he had to adjust how much content he was developing for one particular podcast. So the podcast that he absolutely loved was the Pottery Podcast. But what he had ended up finding out was that as he did his pottery podcast, he was letting that audience know that he had another podcast that talked about personal development and overcoming doubts. So it's very possible that you could have two separate podcasts. Financially, could you do this? Yes, I think you could do this. It just depends on your schedule. Now, let's jump right into this particular part that I think is important. I think it's important for you as a podcaster to focus on the niche that gives you the most interest, the most desire, the biggest fire on the inside, and then go with that. It sounds to me that you obsess a little bit more, maybe, maybe about martial arts and trading and investing is something that is a little more uh, secondary to what you like to do. So I would think about maybe starting your martial arts podcast. Now I do want to, I want to talk about this idea where you said um, that these topics are kind of boring to listen to. I would disagree with that, just because 
there are people that are out right now looking for a podcast that has your style. You have to remember that people will want to hear something that has your style. I like to liken this to when I went to college and, you know, if those of you who did go to college or maybe you had different teachers in school, especially when it came to college and you had to go register for classes and there may have been a religions 101 course and it was taught by three different instructors and you had maybe some friends that had taken religions 101 with a specific instructor. So you went with that friend and you said, hey, how is this instructor? And they would either say, oh, he was good or he was not so good. And so then you would get the recommendation to enroll in someone else's religions 101 course or enroll in the person who you thought was a really good uh, instructor based on someone else's recommendation. So there's options when you go to college and you register for classes. I like to think of podcasting like that. I like to think of niches like that. There might be someone out there who talks about martial arts. But maybe it's just not really cutting it for someone else. And there may be some really great martial arts podcasts out there. But is there one like you? Is there one that gives your perspective? We all have different perspectives. My podcasting perspective is way different than all my other friends who do podcasting. I come at it from a radio perspective. Whereas they go at it or come at it from a content creator perspective. Then there are podcasters who attack podcasting from a sales perspective. So number one, find the one thing that really lights you on fire and go with that one. And it doesn't mean that you can't go on and create another podcast that talks about investing. You could very well do that. Maybe you post less frequent to that podcast, but focus on the martial arts one itself. I hope that answers your question and gives you some perspective on where you need to think about going. Sounds to me as though you need to go into that martial arts area. But don't ever say that you think something is boring. Someone out there wants to hear what you have to say. I'll always recommend that when you go in and create those, con- those pieces of content, that you start with identifying the problem that someone may have and finding the solution for them, even if it's in martial arts. I mean, I don't know much about martial arts, but let's just say that someone is having trouble with a, a roundhouse kick. If that's a thing in martial arts, I'm sure it is. Maybe you present the problem and then give the solution in the podcast. That's how this all works. Present the problem, give the solution. Tell stories in between. So that's that's an interesting and great question or I guess statement that you have there, Josh. I hope this gives you a little more clarity or gives you some perspective on where you need to go with your podcast. I want to thank you once again for tuning into this episode of The Podcast Therapist. It means so much to me that you are tuning in and you are listening uh, and trying to get a different perspective on how you can attack your podcasting content strategy. So uh, it means so much to me. And I would really love it if you reached out to me at uh, thepodcasttherapist.com slash podcast. And that is where you're going to find that contact me section where you can either leave a voicemail 
or you can leave me a uh, an email or a message on one of these platforms. Of course, you can always leave me comments on my YouTube videos as well, which brings me to this point. I am now moving my YouTube video release days to Wednesdays so that I can release podcasts on Tuesdays. The purpose for this is so that I can promote the podcast on my Wednesday video. So if someone hasn't listened to the podcast, I can go ahead and head on over there and uh, promote it and do a little bit of cross promotion. So you always can check out my YouTube videos at the podcast therapist dot com and you can get directed right there to my YouTube channel. So again, thank you so much for listening this week. It is Christmas week, and so I hope that you have a safe and happy holidays. Uh, you know, we're trying to keep things very minimal here in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, and uh, not as much contact with people. But I do plan on uh, sending some gifts on over to my nieces, and uh, hoping that they have a very happy holiday. I hope you do as well with your family. Stay safe. And when we jump into 2021, I hope we can keep kick things into high gear. I got some interviews lined up for you guys. In fact, I've got about six interviews that I have done specifically for this podcast. I've got uh, Seth Ressler on deck. I have got Amanda Valentine who has started a pod who started a podcast years ago. She now has her own brand. Uh, I've got some other radio friends in there as well that will give you their perspective on not only the presentation of content in a podcast, but maybe a little bit of inspiration to get you moving really, really into high gear into 2021. So happy holidays to all of you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode this week, and we'll see you next time. The Podcast Therapist. Mixdown Media Productions.